0: Welcome back to the program. Our nation was founded in opposition to dynasty. From the pushback to George III to our concerns about another Bush-Clinton presidential race, Americans have always been suspicious of the dynastic impulse. Yet today we seem to be smothered in a dynasty of the elites. Even while the politics of the fringes may get all the media attention, the centers of power in both political parties seem fixed to support candidates and policies that further the social and economic interest of the 1%. Sitting astride this tendency for over 50 years has been the Bush family. The degree to which their influence and power has shaped events is the subject of Russ Baker's book, Family of Secrets. Russ Baker's an award-winning investigative journalist. He's written for The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, The New York Times, The Nation, The Los Angeles Times, and The Washington Post. He's the founder of Who, What, Why, which can be found at whowhatwhy.org, and it is my pleasure to welcome Russ Baker here to talk about Family of Secrets, The Bush Dynasty, America's Invisible Government, and the Hidden History of the Last 50 Years. Russ Baker, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Certainly there have been a lot of political progenitors over the years, the Kennedys, the Roosevelts, the Rockefellers. What's different about the Bushes?
1: Well, there's a lot different about the Bushes. Um, I spent five years researching them for Family of Secrets, and I I had no idea really what it was that made them different. I knew knew that they had had uh, uh, two presidents named George Bush, uh, and I knew that they were very, very... Uh, ambitious, uh, the grandfather, Prescott Bush, a U.S. senator, uh, influential beyond his being a senator. Uh, and so uh, I, I saw the clear, the clear hand of the family in quite a few of uh, America's and the world's major events over the course of uh, many decades. But as I dug, they became more and more interesting to me. I saw that the uh, he went back to the great-grandfather, that he was in charge of small arms procurement for america in world war one uh... and that he worked for not one but two branches of the rockefeller family and so i began to see this family as really an extraordinary dynasty stretching way back uh... with connections and uh... influence in america's power circles that i really didn't see with any other families the case of the kennedys uh the the uh the, the brothers and obviously their father and then one of the grandfathers uh, had some uh, political success but really was nothing like the bushes but what really interested me in the bushes is as i dug further uh into their activities i found that there was much more that they had done but that the rest of it uh was essentially sub rosa that this was activity that they did not advertise and that uh, i think is one of the main themes of family of secrecy ability of this family to influence and shape events in ways that we uh, did not understand.
0: And as we look at all the events that they've shaped, can we find consistent themes in the actions that they've taken? Was it to benefit themselves financially, to benefit the networks of the elites financially? When we look, do we find consistent themes in all the things we find them connected to?
1: The... Uh one of the striking things to me about the Bush family, and I think this is true uh, about a lot of the old money families that they're they're a lot less interested in money uh than uh than the nouveau riche um, uh they they have it they've had it uh they're comfortable uh and they're not showy and so you know what do you do with more and more money? There really isn't a lot to do with it, and it's considered to be bad taste to sort of flaunt how much you have, and so they essentially would keep it a secret so it's uh, making money can, can can be fun, I guess, up to a point, but if you can't sort of show it, uh, it's not enough of an incentive on its own. And so I think that for many of those families, power becomes uh, the uh, the lure. And uh, not just power, but I would say the retention of the prerogatives of the family, their friends, and their networks in a kind of a sense that they rule uh, that they rule for a reason, and that they are dedicated to advancing particular values uh, and to preserving their place in society and I think that characterizes the Bush family much more than a pursuit of money, although everyone is expected to uh, to stake uh, his own claim, as we see with the sons that each went out somewhere and began various businesses and trying to find ways uh, to set them
0: and what about the patina that we always hear from these families, particularly the wealthy WASP families that got themselves immersed in politics or in the pursuit of power? The story that always overlays it about wanting to engage in public service and serve their country.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's certainly what they say. Uh, and it may well in their minds be something that they imagine is the case. Uh, the uh, When you study their actions, the kind of legislation they propose and so on. I think that certainly subjectively, and I suppose even objectively using some criteria, the things they propose are not necessarily things that benefit the uh, great majority, things like trickle-down economics and so forth. They, They say they're going to, and then they rarely do. And so I don't really think it is public service. I think it's their sense, very much a kind of a platonic notion that there is a, Uh, that there is an elite, that there's supposed to be an elite, uh, that the masses are not capable of ruling themselves, that they are either not intelligent enough or disciplined enough to do do so, and therefore it is in the interest of uh, civilization overall that this relatively small uh, class, if you will, uh, be in charge.
0: And Russ, talk about George H.W. Bush and his involvement, not just with the CIA, but even earlier with the OSS and Bill Donovan, with an organization that at the time was made up of so many of these elites, with the scions of so many Ivy League families that felt the same as the Bushes did about their place in the world.
1: The uh, thing that is most striking to me about George H.W. Bush uh, and uh This is really, I think, what what ended up driving my my fascination with uh, the fact that he was chosen to be the director of the Central Intelligence Agency in 1975. He served only a year, uh, and yet they named the headquarters after him. Uh, He also was picked at a time of maximum pressure on the agency. It was uh, being investigated by Congress. Uh, there were major hearings going on, major revelations, and really a sense that the agency itself, the very survival of the agency, was uh, threatened and So there was George H. W. Bush brought in at that moment, and I was fascinated because here was a man who was described by uh, the media as an outsider with no experience in intelligence uh, that he was brought in for that reason uh, but it seemed strange to me it didn't make a lot of sense and so i I dug and dug and dug, and what I discovered was that, in fact, that was wrong, that George H.W. Bush uh, was qualified to be CIA director in the sense that he actually had a past, although it was a very, very secret past, working for the agency over many years and even decades. And as you point out, those those uh, links go all the way back. Uh, almost half a family of secrets is on that topic. It goes all the way back he appears to have been working in uh, for the CIA right from the beginning of the agency uh, uh, circa 1950, and then in World War II, uh, he was involved with naval intelligence in the Pacific. Now, uh, OSS and Donovan, which you're referring to, were, were principally in the European theater, uh, uh, and MacArthur and others were running the Pacific theater, but of course there were alliances in many of George H.W. Bush's close friends growing up, going to uh, boarding school, uh, and then going into things like the Secret Society, Skull and Bones, and so on, were involved in intelligence work. This was seen as something that the children of certain families did. And so uh, very much they created, they moved these kind of networks that existed in other uh, strata into uh, the intelligence world in the 40s through the 50s, and then that, to some extent, perpetuate itself at least uh up until the uh until the nineteen eighties.
0: And then moving from that, you touch on so many areas where the Bushes, particularly George H.W. Bush, were kind of zealot-like characters with respect to so many of the crises we saw in the second half of the twentieth century.
1: Yes, I mean this was one of the many fascinating things I discovered while researching Family of Secrets was was that uh the the Bush family has had its hand in so many things, and yet we don't know about them. Um, They they seem to have chosen a role. This is very interesting, the sort of dichotomy. On the one hand, uh, choosing to be very visible uh, as as presidents and so forth, but in a a role where they were often uh, characterized as sort of uh, uh, apathetic or incompetent, both the, the father and the son, but... In reality, the family was involved in a covert manner in many, many more things. I discovered uh, Prescott Bush being highly uh, influential in shaping all kinds of trajectories. I see him and his business partners and the uh, investment private investment banking firm of Brown Brothers Harriman involved with the, uh, the shaping of Dwight Eisenhower uh, uh, into and through the presidency. And Richard Nixon from the first days actually being chosen to run for the House of Representatives by a group that significantly included Prescott Bush. Uh, And then we see them involved with their close friend Alan Dulles in the creation of the CIA, not as an intelligence organization, which is what President Truman was told it would be, but as a a vehicle for covert operations, that is, for uh, uh, coups and assassinations and all manner of plots Uh, throughout the world and domestically, and this gets us then to uh, what I found to be the very curious role of the Bush family, particularly George H.W. Bush, in the downfall of Richard Nixon, and in Family of Secrets, I have several chapters of my discoveries there, where I was fascinated to find George H.W. Bush around all the time while all these things are going on, uh, and yet supposedly, uh, I mean, he's never mentioned, he's... uh, uh, he's, uh, uh, he has cabinet rank uh, uh, in the Nixon administration. He's there at the cabinet meetings. He's over at the UN in New York. Uh, he's connected through his covert work with the Central Intelligence Agency, with the uh, the people who've been involved with the Bay of Pigs. Those are the same people who end up being the Watergate burglars. We see Bush all around, and we see all these things happening in Nixon's name. Much to my astonishment to discover that Nixon himself doesn't seem to have known about practically any of them, although they were all used to hang Nixon. And then, as Nixon begins to go down, we see George H. W. Bush becoming the uh, the head of the Republican Party, and and through that, and through his allies, and a man that uh, I'd never heard of before, a friend of his from the secret society Skull and Bones, uh, giving Nixon very very bad advice and writing his speeches. All of these people, all with intelligence uh, connections to uh, the same networks. Uh, uh, for some reason, uh, uh, seeming to be a, while being around Nixon but not liking Nixon and basically helping Nixon to his demise.
0: How much of this can be attributed simply to George H.W. Bush and the Bush family and all the people around them being at the epicenter of the establishment in the Republican Party and Nixon simply being a pawn in that? Isn't that more logical than a grander conspiratorial view?
1: Well, I mean, I I think that the nature of the establishment is to be conspiratorial. In other words, these are not two different phenomena. That uh, as a society we are introduced to all these great families as sort of towering figures who sponsor cultures and hospitals and uh, uh, sending uh, needy students uh, to university and so forth. But the reality is that it is hand to hand combat. That's how the families made their money in the first place constantly going on battles within the family, power struggles of all kinds, partnerships. It's it's quite ruthless, and it's quite bloody, even if it's out of sight. And so I think what you see is this sort of noblesse on the surface of the well-spoken people, well-dressed, and they know exactly how to speak so that they sound very thoughtful. But the reality is that, that these are the people who often are favoring uh, uh, violence over uh, tolerance and accommodation, and all we have to do is go back to the Gilded Age and to look at the uh, the, the brutal suppression of unions uh, and and any form of dissent. And so I think that you cannot separate the two. That 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 the history of the United States is not really the history of the great man theory that we are taught. That if you take a guy like Woodrow Wilson and, and he just is president suddenly, or a peanut farmer like Jimmy Carter just is president, or someone like Barack Obama is president, never heard of them, and suddenly they're the most powerful people in the country, if not the world, making decisions that could mean the difference between uh, survival and extinction, that these people are just permitted as if in a high school uh, presidential contest to to rise to the top quickly and do whatever they wish. And so the more we investigate any of these presidencies, We see the role of the networks, and so we see the Bush family and their extended network, James Baker uh, and uh, Robert Lovett, and some of the others uh, who were their business partners and uh, associates and comrades. And we see them involved in literally shaping Woodrow Wilson's rise, Harry Truman's rise, Eisenhower's rise, uh, Johnson becoming president, uh, Nixon going from a nobody to President of the United States, we see this same phenomenon constantly, and in fact, uh, we even see partners in Brown Brothers Harriman, a couple of them Democrats, a couple of them Republicans, being the top advisors to presidents no matter which party the president comes
0: from. Isn't this, though, just one of the inherent aspects in the DNA of a democratic society that there are these networks of the rich and powerful that feel it's their responsibility to bring stability to the system against the masses? Isn't that just one of the tensions in a democratic society?
1: Uh, certainly it is. There, there is, you know, it's kind of funny that here in the United States, I find that people use these terms like conspiracy theory uh, to create this notion that it is bizarre and almost occult-like to look at these sorts of influences. But if you travel to places that really in many ways are actually much more democratic and egalitarian like a, a Switzerland or France or something like that or, or 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 Sweden the people actually understand this concept they understand that in a in a in a place like Norway even though uh, it's fairly transparent that there are these old uh, whaling families and timber families and oil families and so on that have constantly have the ear of the people on their way up and are always very much uh, uh, shaping things in the background that this is the normal.
0: So why should we be surprised that that normal exists here in America as well?
1: Well I don't know that we should be surprised but we are surprised and, and, and when people talk about these things they are uh, labeled and marginalized uh, and this is discouraged. America exists largely on a kind of a fantasy that we're fed as young children, the, all these uh, notions that anyone can grow up to be president, that uh, although it is a flawed system, it basically works quite well, uh, that we are represented, that it is a functioning democracy. Uh, uh, in, in many ways, if we actually look in a clear eyed way at the disconnect between what the public interest actually is and the public actually wants and what we get, it's very, very clear that we. Seldom really get what we want. Uh, And so uh, there's no question that there is something fundamentally failing. Uh, And yet it is surprising because we're told that that's not the case.
0: And yet, even as another Bush begins to emerge as a potential president, and people have certain concerns about it, there's almost an acceptance of it.
1: I would say there's almost an elation. Um, I was interviewed uh, last year by The Guardian. The British mm-hmm. newspaper, and they wanted to know what I thought of the uh, of, of the deb butch uh, uh, accession uh if you can call it that um and and my comment was that uh, you know their country has a monarchy, our country would love to have one, and we take our movie stars and so forth, and we we just turn them into uh royalty, if not deities. Uh, We feel the need for that. It brings us something, and psychologists, of course, have studied this, and so we love that notion. We love the notion of the the Kennedys, and so we we seek that. It gives us comfort. It's familiar, uh, and it gives us a notion of, of some sort of grandeur, actually.
0: It's interesting to see how the Bushes do it, though, because it's different than the Kennedys or even the Clintons or others that have come to power with a certain amount of star power or celebrity that seems to fit into the culture today. The Bushes still do it in a more waspy, understated way. What does that say about them and what they understand about power and the power that they're trying to preserve?
1: Well, it's quite interesting because although they do have a certain I guess you could say magnetism it's not an extraordinary magnetism I think you could walk into uh, uh, any any bar in the United States and strike up conversations and quickly find someone with the kind of uh, 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 good cheer that you might find in a personal interaction with George W Bush his father uh, described as gracious uh, you could find that pretty much anywhere and they certainly, as you point out, I mean, they never really had the uh, the glamour. They, none of them have had the vision. Uh, They're always at best described as sort of uh, adopting other people's ideas or playing catch-up with public sentiment. Uh, and, and, and yet there they are. And so I think what we're looking at is this is a family that is fundamentally different than the other families because they are not masters so much of the role as they are masters of the the mechanism. They are masters of the the behind-the-scenes levers and the incredible gut work that you have to do when you don't have that other thing going for you. And we we see with George H.W. Bush and Barbara Bush their Christmas card list of 40,000 people. We see that they would give out, maybe still do every year, hundreds and hundreds of holiday gifts, uh, that they would remember everybody and write them thank you notes. They built this vast, vast network. And when I was working on Family of Secrets and I went out to West Texas where H.W. Uh, moved as a young man and then George W. grew up, I discovered that George W. Bush, uh, you know, when he ran for governor, they said he'd never been in politics before. Well, years before, in 1978, George W. Bush had run for House of Representatives back when his family was not known. And yet, uh, when I looked at the campaign of finance filings, it was inches and inches thick with people from all over the United States sending maximum amounts of money to this family. And so clearly they had this network in place. It is largely invisible, uh, but it was very, very formidable. It still is, and that is a highly effective way of, uh, uh, of competing with those who are more charismatic.
0: Certainly it proves the value of manners in our society.
1: Oh, that's right. They've made a career of manners, but 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 to to, to give them their due, I mean, I think they also have. It's just been a lot of hard work. Uh, It's very interesting to me because they all of them seem much much more interested in a certain kind of a hard work, uh, such as uh, uh, charming people, cultivating relationships, and so on, and much less interested in policy. Much less interested. Possibly Jeb a little more interested in policy. Generally, much less interested in that. In other words, much less interested actually in the job itself, the, the actual governing. And I, I don't know that our society minds that. I think that uh, the Americans uh, historically have really not been very interested in uh, in issues or policy or government, and, and very interested in being entertained. And in that sense, I think the, uh, the Bush dynasty has very effectively played to that inclination.
0: Russ Baker, the book is Family of Secrets, The Bush Dynasty, America's Invisible Government, and the Hidden History of the Last 50 Years. Russ Baker, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. We'll be right back.